0: Welcome to All People's Church. At APC, we proclaim that Jesus is the answer to the most important questions and issues of life. Listen today as Pastor Denise teaches Part 5 of the series Spiritual Warfare, Armor of God. Today's lesson is about the shield of faith. In it, she reveals the secret to possessing and maintaining a strong shield. Today,
1: I'm going to talk again about the armor of God. I'll talk about The Shield of Faith. Once again, I'm taking a good bit of my information from the book by Rick Renner titled Dressed to Kill, which is a great book concerning the armor of God. I'll begin today with our scripture from Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 16. Previous to that, Paul has been telling us to stand in God's armor. I'll go ahead and begin with verse 14 to make it more clear. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Okay, verse 16, which we will be working off of today. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. As we've done in the last few Sundays, we've been able to compare our God's armor in our lives to the armor that the soldiers wore in Paul's time. It appears that Paul, in his knowledge of the armor that the Roman soldiers wore during his day, used those pieces of armor to liken to spiritual armor for us. And so today I'll talk about the shield that the Roman soldiers carried as part of their armor. Actually the Roman soldiers had two kinds of shields. They had a small round shield, number one, which was primarily decorative and they used those small shields in public ceremonies and parades. The small shields were decorated with intricate etchings engravings and markings on the front. So it was very much more for show than for use in the battlefield. Often on the small shield they also had a little section, I believe it was more in the center, that had a depiction of an artist's rendition of a previous victory. So when they were were in parades and in different places where they were just showing are marching for show, they would use these small shields that were very intricate in design. The second shield that the Roman soldiers had for their armor was a large battle shield. The larger shield that they used in battle was shaped like a door, in that it was wide and long, at least four feet tall, I've read. I'm not Maybe taller, I'm not certain, but and it was wide. so they consider it shaped like a door. It was wide enough for them to get behind and tall enough for them to get behind and to be safe. This shield completely covered the soldier when they would put it in front of them in battle. Usually, the shield that the Roman soldiers carried into war was made of six layers of thick animal hide that was tightly woven together, so tightly woven together that it, it was as strong as steel. This particular shield made of animal hide needed daily care so it would not become stiff and breakable. So each day the soldiers would saturate a piece of cloth with oil and they would thoroughly rub it into the leather of the shield to keep it in good shape because the leather needed to be soft and supple and pliable. They put so much oil on their shields that it would become slippery because of that constant oiling of their shields. But the flip side of that is, if a soldier neglected to oil their shields and take care of their shield daily, it usually indicated that there would be sure death on the battlefield for that particular soldier, because eventually that leather would crack and crumble and break, and even if they put it out in front of them as a shield, it would would just be penetrated easily because it would just not be any good anymore for them. Another thing that the Roman soldiers did before they went to war is that They would also soak their shield in water until it became saturated, until all these leather layers would become saturated. And there's a particular reason they did that, because the enemies in the New Testament time used arrows that contained fire. When they saturated their shields in water and the arrows would hit the shields, it would often just put the fire out because their shields were so wet, the fire couldn't penetrate or burn the shields. They always carried their shields into battle. They never went into battle without a shield. Let's compare the shields that the Roman soldiers carried to our shield of faith. First, our shield of faith needs to be an active, working faith. And so when Paul is talking about the shield of faith, he's referring to the larger shield because that was the working shield that the Roman soldiers used when they went into battle. Paul's not referring to the small, showy shield. It doesn't matter. We don't need our faith to just be showy and decorative. We need it to work when we need it to work. So the shield that the Roman soldiers carried again was wide and long, like a door, equal to a door and it completely covered them. This indicates to us that on our shield of faith that God has given each of us enough faith to make certain that we're covered. And we're going to hear about that in Romans 12 and verse 3.
0: For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, As God has dealt to each one a measure of faith?
1: God has given each of us a measure of faith, and it's because of that measure of faith that we're even able to move forward at all. It gives us a great place to start in in our lives. So God has given us enough faith to make sure that we're covered. Usually, the shield, my next point, is that we talked about the shield being made of six layers of very tough leather in very strong leather. This gives us a picture of our faith being durable and tough. Our faith given to us from God can certainly outlast any of the enemy's attacks. Let's read Isaiah 40, verse 29 and 31, please.
0: He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint.
1: God gives us gives power to those of us who are weak. And if we feel like we don't have any might, He increase, increases our strength. He has given to us a measure of faith, which is enough to cover us and tough enough to outlast any of Satan's any of Satan's attacks against us the soldier's shield needed daily care so daily we talked about how they rubbed it with oil so that that their shield won't be stiff and be, and breakable under pressure and then just fall to pieces if a soldier failed to care for his shield the end result could be, be- death on the battlefield and because The shield that the soldiers use also is representative of our faith. The analogy tells us that our faith requires frequent anointing of the Holy Spirit. Our faith requires care, and some of that care is up to us. We have to take care of our our faith, and so without a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit's power in our life, our faith will become hard, stiff, and brittle. That's a quote from Rick Renner on page 350. So we need a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit's power, meaning we should never try to go forward in our Christian walk on the strength of the past. There are many times in our lives we can look back, each of us who are Christians, and we can see how God strengthened us in battle and how our faith helped us in in things that we went through in our lives. But we need to take care of our faith daily. We need to spend time daily with God and in His Word taking care of our faith so that as we go forward we don't have to depend on something from years ago or months ago. But we're ready again for whatever life brings our way. Psalms 92.10 talks about being anointed with fresh oil. And we're going to talk about what this fresh oil, fresh anointing, taking care of our faith daily really means. Psalm 92.10 says, but this is David talking, but my horn, you have exalted like a wild ox. I have been anointed with fresh oil. And in 2 Corinthians 4.16 Paul talks about being renewed daily. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed daily. So it's important to realize that God renews us daily. But again, we have some things to do to maintain our faith and to help help our faith to grow daily. So I agree with the author of the book because he says never assume that your faith is in top-notch shape instead play it safe and assume that your faith always needs a fresh anointing by taking this approach you will always seek to do what is necessary to keep your faith alive active and well we should each take stock of ourselves pay particular attention to where we are in our faith where we are also it in our walk with God because our walk with God and our time in God's Word is what builds our faith, especially God's Word. So we have to pay attention to how much time we're spending with God and how much time we're spending in God's Word because it's necessary if we want to have an active faith and a faith that's strong and well that can help us to face anything that comes in our lives. Remember how the soldier's shields could become slippery? because they rubbed so much oil onto that leather. What happened is that when the enemy would shoot fiery arrows at these soldiers during battle, the arrows could just slide off the shield because of the oil. In that same way, when we walk with faith that's anointed by the power of the Holy Spirit, in faith that we grow in God's Word, things can slide right off us meaning we might go through trials, we might go through different things in our lives, but we just keep walking and we just can believe that things are going to be well because God has told us things are going to be well. He's going to take care of us. Now when we talk about, or when I talk about a person being anointed and walking in God's anointing, what I'm actually referring to is someone who's spending time in prayer. Because when we spend time in prayer day after day, we begin to enter God's presence. And as we enter enter God's presence, other people begin to see God in our lives. That's not when we spend time in prayer to be seen by other men, but we spend time in prayer to learn how to interact with God, to learn who He is and to enter into His presence and be made stronger by Him and be lifted up by Him, be Walking out of that time of prayer feeling like, hey, can make it today. I can do this, whatever this is in our lives, because God blesses us when we're in His presence. So let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21 and 22, speaking of God anointing us.
0: Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God who also has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee.
1: Who anoints us is God. That's the thing I want to point out in this particular verse. Who has anointed us? God. And how do we walk in that anointing daily? By going into his presence daily and reading his word daily. Soldiers saturated their shields in water before they went into battle. How was this a good thing? because when the enemy's flaming arrows hit the shields that were soaked in water, it could extinguish the fire of the arrows that came forward and hit them. Soaking our shield of faith in water equals being washed by the word. And Ephesians 5:25 and 26 speaks of being washed by the water of the word.
0: Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by word
1: okay so what i want to concentrate on is verse 26 that he's speaking of jesus might sanctify and cleanse her he's talking about the church there with the washing of water by the word the word here he's talking about the word of god i'm going to quote a few different people talking about the water of the word and how the water of God's Word washes our spirits. First, Rick Renner says, quote, in the same way, when we keep our faith completely saturated with the washing of water by the Word, our Word-saturated shields, talking about the shields of faith, have the power to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the adversary. In the same way, when we keep our faith completely saturated with the washing of water by the Word, then our Word-saturated shields have the power to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the adversary. Charles Spurgeon says, quote, The water which washes away sin, which cleanses and purifies the soul, is the Word. How does that happen? Unquote. How does that happen? How does the Word purify us? Because when we're in the Word, we begin to learn what God is like. We can see the living Word when we read about Jesus and His life on earth. How He responded, how He didn't react often, how He used wisdom, how He withstood the temptations of Satan, and on and on. It's a great picture of us. Jesus is the perfect one to pattern our life after. But we need to be in the water and let it wash away the things in our lives that displease God in the sense of becoming knowledgeable. We need to become knowledgeable about the Word of God. And then when we become knowledgeable, we need to ask the Holy Spirit to help us to apply this to our lives, what we're learning from the Word of God. And it begins to purify us because we begin to walk a more pure walk before God, we, we begin to know the right things to do, the right things to choose, the right ways to respond in our lives, the way to stand against uh, Satan, the way to stand against things that come into our life, that cleanses us and purifies us. And then the last quote is from Charles Swindoll. And he says, Just as clear, fresh water cleanses our bodies, God's written word washes us clean deep down in our souls. It purifies our thoughts. It scrubs our motives and cleans our conscience as we absorb it and obey its truth. So it's very important that we're in the word of God, which builds our faith. The Bible talks about that our faith is increased by hearing the Word of God. And then once we get into God's Word and begin to absorb it into our spirits and obey it, then we become clean and purified. Okay, let's talk about quenching the fiery darts of the wicked. We've been talking about the enemies throwing fiery arrows or shooting fiery arrows at the Roman soldiers in the New Testament time. And Paul likens that to those fiery arrows, to fiery darts of the wicked. In the New Testament time, the enemies used three kinds of arrows. First, they just used regular arrows, just shot what we consider regular arrows at the enemy or at the Roman soldiers. The second type of arrows that the enemies used were arrows that they dipped in tar and then they set them on fire and shot. The third kind of arrows that the enemies used were arrows containing combustible fluids which they shot over the walls of an enemy's fortified position. So the way they made these arrows is they either just the head of the arrow had a hollow place in it that they could pour the combustible fluid in or maybe the whole shaft of the arrow would be hollow enough or a portion of the shaft that they could pour the combustible fluid into. This type arrow with the combustible fluid, they usually shot the army when they became a fortified army, fortified maybe with walls or their shields up, and the enemy couldn't really penetrate against them by marching forward or with the other two type arrows. They would fill their their third arrows with combustible fluid and actually try to shoot it over the walls into the enemy's territory and the enemy's camp, setting everything on fire. So Paul refers to the third kind of arrow when he speaks of quenching the fiery darts of the wicked. Rick Renner, the author of the book Dressed to Kill, likens these flaming arrows to be like the enemy throwing a flaming arrow toward a particular target in our lives, usually our emotions, usually something coming our way which can wreak havoc if we allow it to. But if we continue to maintain and strengthen our faith, that helps us to keep those arrows from getting through to us harming our emotions. And just as we've already said a couple of times today, maintaining our faith has to do with being in God's Word regularly and being in prayer regularly. Remember as we talk about our shield of faith and the fiery darts of the wicked that Jesus already gave us the victory. We just need to know how to maintain that victory in our lives. Colossians 2.15 tells us what Jesus did for us when He died on the cross.
0: Having disarmed principalities and powers, He made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them.
1: When Jesus died on the cross, and His work was completed, He disarmed principalities and powers of the enemy, and He triumphed over the enemy through His death and resurrection. And because Jesus triumphed over the enemy, He already gave us the victory when we give our life to Him. And then at that point, we have the victory, we just have to learn to walk it out. And learning to walk out the victory in our lives is, again, learning what God's word said and being in God's presence enough that we begin to to fight stronger in a battle or walk stronger in our faith through life. We know that the Bible tells us it rains on the just and the unjust. Things happen to us whether we are Christians or whether we aren't Christians and don't believe in God. The difference often for Christians is how we can handle these things that happen in our life. We can walk through things with a lot more peace and steadier footing because we have god in our lives we can have faith in his word to guide us through these things but if we have cracks in our own shield of faith we are responsible to change this nobody can change it for us nobody can keep our shield of faith in good working order only we can And I'll quote Rick Renner. I love the way he says it. How can we make changes in our own life to our own shield of faith? How can we begin to cause that shield of faith to be workable and pliable and usable in our lives? Rick Renner says that if you give the Word of God a place of priority in your daily schedule, your shield of faith is so saturated with the water of the Word that it extinguishes those flaming arrows. So giving God's Word a place of priority in our schedule, that's often the downfall for any of us. It's where I have to work and struggle at times. Sometimes it's so easy to look at the busyness of the day, the busyness of our life, and feel like we don't have the time or can't take the time to read God's Word but we just have to reestablish our priorities. We have to look at our priorities and make God's Word number one. It reminds me of the story of Martha and Mary in the Bible where Jesus had come to visit. And Martha was so busy. She wanted everything to be great. I just see her like me a lot of times wanting the house to be in complete perfect order and wanting everything to be just awesome for Jesus. And she's in the background working, I think, maybe on the meal and stuff, wanting the food to be good, helping those who are cooking. And Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to him talk. And when Martha complained to Jesus about it, and she said, Tell my sister to help me he tried to encourage Martha. He said, you're busy about many things. He didn't say we shouldn't be busy, but he told her only one thing was needed, and that was to to do what Mary's doing, to sit at his feet and listen to him. So we do have busy lives, but the main priority, like Jesus says, is we should take some time to sit at his feet, so to speak, as in prayer and getting into the Word. And when we get that priority correct in our lives, so many things fall into place for us. Other people cannot be with us all day, every day, guiding us and praying over all the situations that happen to us. So we have to maintain our own faith. We have work to do to keep our own faith watered by the washing of the Word. And increased our faith to be increased by reading the Word. We have to learn to use our own shield of faith. It does not mean that we cannot ask others to help us at times or accept prayer or help from others, but it does mean that we have to grow up in our own faith. I'm going to say chances are that there will be times in each of our lives when things happen And we're not going to be able to get in touch with somebody else to pray for us. I think that God may allow situations in our lives when we must rely on our faith in Him all alone. As one of our nephews used to say, all by my, my, myself, to get through because we need to mature in Christ, we need to mature in our faith, and we may be trying to call someone else to pray for us in the moment of what seems like a crisis, large or small, but we might not be able to get that person. They may not answer the phone at that particular moment when we feel most vulnerable going through whatever we're going through. So we need to have our faith polished. We need to have our faith ready to say, Okay, I can do this. I can do this with God's help. So. My question is, if we haven't worked to keep our faith intact, and if we haven't worked to keep our faith at a strong level, growing and washed by the water of the Word and increased by God's Word and being in His presence, what will we do when those moments come in our lives? How will we stand? The last thing I want to talk about is corporate faith. It doesn't mean we can't have corporate faith, but it means that we do have places in our life where we have to stand on our own. One more really cool thing about the Roman soldiers' shields, I think, is that each of the shields had hinges on the side. So at certain times on the battlefield, the Roman soldiers could fasten their shield to another Roman soldier's shield on each side of them, and each one of them would fasten to other soldiers' shields, and then they would walk or mark, are march closely side by side, this just gave them a huge, massive wave of protection in front of them because their shields weren't even gonna have gaps in them because they were hooked together with these hinges. In the same way that the Roman soldiers could hinge their faith together, Christians can walk together in unity and joining their faith together. Philippians 2.4 talks to us about
0: this. Let each of you look out for not only his own interests, but also the interests of others.
1: So there are definitely times in our Christian walk when we can hook our faith with other people's faith. Jesus says, if two or more agree on this earth as touching anything, it will be done. And we can stand together. I look at that as corporate prayer. I think that's a good indication that corporate prayer is good. And also encouraging other brothers and sisters when you know they're having a rough time and you can call them and encourage them and pray with them. But walking together in unified faith really puts a lot of pressure on the enemy as we use our corporate faith to hold each other up. Walking together in unified faith really helps us to stand because we know someone else is standing with us. Because. There are times that we have to use our own faith, but there are also times in our lives where we need we need other people's faith helping us and holding us up when we go through things. So in conclusion, I have a quote from Christian, a man called Christian Say. He has a PhD in history at LSU College from Baton Rouge, and he talks about the Roman soldiers and their shields. He said, throwing away your shield meant that everything was lost. Roman formations relied on legionaries behind a wall of shields, like we talked about. No shield, no combat formation. You tossed away the heavy shield if you were in flight from the field, and it was a symbol of complete defeat. If they turned to run, then they would throw away their shields, but that indicated that they were totally defeated. They were done and running for their lives. God says in 2 Corinthians 5.7, we walk by faith, not by sight. So considering both of these quotes, the one from the Bible and the one from the gentleman with the Ph.D. in history, I think we can say that we certainly cannot afford to toss our own shield of faith because if we do, we won't be able to walk our spiritual walk. Amen.
0: This message has been brought to you by All People's Church of Arizona. We are a virtual church headquartered in Flagstaff. If you have found this audio message to be useful and you would like to join us for our Sunday service, please find the Zoom link on our website at apcofaz.org. Our service starts at 10 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. If you would like to know more about eternal life through Jesus, continue to listen for more information. The first and most important step to eternal life through Jesus is to accept Him as your Lord and Savior. It is an act of the will. The basics of salvation or reconciliation with God the Father can be summarized in three statements. First, you must understand that we are all spiritually dead, that is, separated from God, and cannot be reconciled to Him on our own. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We have all sinned and have no means to atone for our sins. We have no remedy. Second, you must believe in your heart that Jesus is the one sent by God. The Bible says in John 20, 31, But these are written, speaking of the signs that Jesus did during His earthly ministry, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in His name. And John 3:16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. The sacrifice of His Son was God's plan for salvation for all humanity. Our only part in this plan is whether or not we will believe it and accept it. Third, confess with your mouth. In Romans 10, 9 and 10 it is written that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Essentially, this is very simple. It means you must pronounce your faith to God in prayer. There is no right prayer. Prayer is conversation, so say to God what is really in your heart. Many sample prayers include affirmative statements concerning the three points above, such as this one. Father in heaven, I have sinned against you. I have hurt other people and I've hurt myself. I believe you sent Jesus to die for my sins. I accept your gift of salvation. Thank you for forgiving my sins. Help me to love and live as a follower of Jesus should. In Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen. Finally, go to church on Sunday to strengthen your faith. Accepting Christ Jesus as your Savior is the first step, but the journey of faith is a long one. There is much to learn, and you will need friends to help. We would love for you to attend All People's Church and become part of our fellowship. As noted above, it is as easy as clicking on the Zoom link found at apcofaz.org. Contact me by Facebook Messenger or by email at apcofarizona at protonmail.com for more information or to talk about faith in Jesus Christ. My prayers are with you, and I hope to hear from you. This concludes our message for today.